morning, I've got David Zimmerman, the president of Big River Resources. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Kaylee. Of course. As 2024 now, we've wrapped up 2023. I'm going to have you hop right in right now and tell us a little bit about how 2023 went, especially for the ethanol industry. Well, 2023 was, was a very good year for the industry overall. Um, Big River specifically, we, we had a great year as well. Um, I mean, first and foremost, from a safety standpoint, uh, we had a wonderful year. All of our employees, you know, got home to their families safe at night. So that's, that's, that's a huge thing for us. Um, you know, from an operational standpoint, um, we're, we're probably going to have, and we're still going through the final numbers, we're probably going to have our best year ever as far as ethanol production and corn oil production. So we're very happy with that. Um, economically, it was we just had very good margins through through most of 2023. Now, early in the year was a little rough, um, the Jan, Feb, and March timeframes. But as we went through the year, the margins um, expanded, and uh, um, we had some some very good risk management policies in place that that helped us capitalize on that. So, so yeah, it was it was solid operationally. Um, you know, we we continued to work on our CI scores um, at some of our facilities, um, and we. We did some debottlenecking as well. Um, you know, one one example of a, a, a CI reduction that we've achieved over at our Galva facility is we we put in uh, um, some heat exchanger technology that has allowed us to reduce our natural gas usage by 15 to 20 percent, um, while simultaneously maintaining the same production rate. So it's a win-win. Um, and we want to look forward as well to 2024. Can you tell us a little bit about what is to come with 2024? Well, for, for Big River specifically, we're going to continue to do what we did in 2023. We're, we're going to obviously continue our safety focus um, and, and an operational focus as, as well. Um, so if you look at, again, our Galva facility, we're, gonna, we're going to hopefully by the end of 2024 be producing our own electricity at that plant um, uh, through a combined heat and power unit, which would ultimately take us off the Illinois grid um, and, and make us uh, less reliant or, or unreliant completely on the Illinois power. So we're excited about that situation. Um, we're going to continue to focus on carbon. Uh, I think that's one of the big things in our industry that's that's not going away. Um, reducing our carbon footprint. Um, I think, as a lot of your listeners probably know, Kaylee, that we had been pursuing uh, a pipeline uh, route to sequester our carbon down in southern Illinois with the Navigator Group. Um, a lot of the pipelines have have since uh, pulled their permit applications, at least in Illinois. Um, I believe uh, the Wolf and the Summit groups are still are still fighting in Iowa, um, and I believe Summit's still fighting in South Dakota um, to gain permits. But but the headwinds on the pipelines have have really kind of changed the focus a little bit, at least for us on a carbon standpoint. So we're still considering the viability of the pipeline, um, but ultimately we need to we need to move a little quicker there. Um, so we're, we're considering utilization opportunities and, and even sequestration on our own for that carbon. Um, also in concert with that, as far as reducing CEI, um, we're looking at potentially pilot programs for corn 
CI reductions, uh, which is our feedstock, our main feedstock for ethanol production. Uh, looking, looking for CI reductions there and, and potentially a pilot program that we would roll out to our, our corn suppliers in 2024. So a lot of things coming up in 2024. We're going to take a look at some of the things that we talked about. But one thing that you talked about big in 2023, you want to continue in 2024, is safety. What kind of safety measures do you take in your facility? Let's highlight some of what you guys do in terms of safety. Well, our, our, our safety program is very robust. Um, first and foremost, we have a director of safety um, in West Burlington um, named Randy Clark. Um, and Randy's been with the company um, for many, many years, uh, started at the plant. And then we have safety directors at each of the facilities and um, um, standard operating procedures, um, heavy reporting. It's just a very robust and granular uh, safety system that we've got. And, and uh, because as you well know, these, these production facilities, are, they're, they're, they can be dangerous animals if, if not um, watched very closely and, and, and kept within certain tolerances. And our group does a very good job of that. And the carbon focus with the pipeline route, I know ethanol, <coughs> in just the ethanol industry, especially places like you, talk about some of the positives that come out of it. We hear a lot of times people talking about the property portion of it and eminent domain and the negatives that come with that but we sometimes i feel like you forget the message or the reasoning behind it can you talk to us a little bit about why sometimes pipelines like this could be a positive for the industry yeah it, it's it, it stems to the back to the inflation reduction act and 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 i i understand a lot of the eminent domain and private property rights. Um, I'm, I'm a fairly conservative individual by nature as well. Um, but if you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, and, and I've talked about this with our customers and, and shareholders a lot in the past, um, what that bill did was essentially kind of give us somewhat of an ultimatum that, folks, if you want to participate and you want to compete with electric vehicles, we need you to supply us with a lower carbon intensity fuel. Um, and that's not only coming from the government, it's also coming from um, our, our buyers of ethanol, whether they be overseas or, or domestic. Um, so in order, to, in order to really decarbonize this fuel, um, we need to get that CO2 sequestered in the ground or put through a utilization process. Um, you know, there are a lot of new technologies out there that are developing. Um, we've looked at, you know, trying to utilize our CO2 to make green methanol. Um, there's a lot of talk about sustainable aviation fuel uh, in the marketplace right now and CO2 potentially being used to make sustainable aviation fuel. Um, these are all things that we are looking at currently. Um, and, and, and this is all still doable. It's, you know, the pipeline portion of, of the decarbonization was really just the efficiencies in it. Um, you know, I looked at something that would involve us shipping our CO2 to Texas here in the last couple of months. Um, you know, we're talking about a 60 to $85 tax credit, but unfortunately the freight to ship that ethanol all the way to Texas uh, via rail car would cost me about 90 to 95 bucks a ton. Um, so, it, this is all still doable. It's just the the pipelines brought a level of efficiency um, and and uh, and things to the table that that we'll f we'll figure it out. We'll get it replaced. Um, um, 
but we may have to end up doing some overland transportation uh, of this CO2. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember reading about studies being done on these pipelines in the ethanol industry, and if these carbon pipelines didn't go into place, it could really hurt the ethanol industry. So as we see these uh, permits being pulled in like Illinois and other states, is that going to affect our industry? Well, it could. I mean, if if we're if we're unable or unsuccessful in the decarbonization effort, and and the biggest tool we had on, in that was the pipeline uh, situation, if we're unsuccessful in being able to decarbonize, yes, it could certainly put us at in a vulnerable position versus electric vehicles, or even other um, low CI or clean fuel technologies. That's not going to happen, though. We're not going to give up on this. We're, we'll figure out ways to get around this, and, and we'll do what's being asked of us um, and, and continue to be uh, working that direction in the future. Now, I don't want to be taking up our whole time together talking about pipelines, so I want to circle back to that sustainable aviation fuel. Where do you see that going in 24? Well, I think 2024, on the whole, is, is really going to be... Um, you know, to put it in farming terms, we're going to be prepping the seed bed really for 25, 26, and 27. Um, and, and there's a lot of talk about sustainable aviation fuel. And, and right now, there really is no one producing sustainable aviation fuel at the commercial level. Uh, Lonza Jet is working on a plant in Georgia that should come up in 2024. Um, the folks at GEVO have a pretty sizable SAF plant that they're working on in South Dakota. Um, you know, I've talked to folks that, that would like to build SAF facilities in Illinois, um, in Texas. Uh, so what that would look like from the ethanol industry's perspective is we would take that ethanol and use that as a feedstock to chemically convert to sustainable aviation fuel, which is essentially the same chemical formula as, as the kerosene that, that you see today running, running uh, jets. But in order for us to do that, in order for us to be a viable supply for that sustainable aviation fuel market, they want low CI ethanol feedstock. Um, so that's what we're that's what we're working to deliver um, through some of the things that I've spoken to you about this morning, whether it be um, sequestering carbon or utilizing reducing our natural gas usage by 15 to 20 percent at certain facilities. Um, these are all, uh, you know, a low CI feedstock program on our corn that we use. These are all things that, that go into um, that overall footprint of that ethanol facility, and that's what an SAF producer will be looking at when he decides whether he wants to buy my ethanol to produce SAF or not. Okay, what is the carbon footprint of this ethanol? And if it's low enough, um, it's viable at that point to, to make SAF. Well, David, is there anything you want to add today? Um, I just say thank you to, to you, Kaylee, and, and, and Vanessa. Wish her well. Hopefully she's doing good. Um, and thank you guys for everything you do for the, the community here. And um, looking forward to many more years of, of Big River being in business in this area. Of course. And thank you so much for coming in today and sharing all your knowledge on ethanol industry. No problem. Thank you. Again, that is David Zimmerman, the president of Big River Resources on AM 1330 FM 95.7 WREM.